The actual devil does not appear until the 34th and final canto of the Inferno. The deepest pit of hell in Dante's conception is not filled with fire and lava, it is a frigid wasteland where the absolute worst of the worst sinners are encased in ice like flies in amber. And when the pilgrim at last comes face to face to face to face with Satan, he finds not a Miltonian antihero, not even a biblical tempter, but a colossal mindless monster, eternally weeping, eternally gnawing on Judas and Brutus and Cassius. The strongest force of evil in the universe does not give Dante or Virgil a philosophical tirade or even a history lesson unlike dozens of demons and damned souls they've met so far. Lucifer gets zero lines in the poem. Instead, after the scene is duly described, Virgil has Dante grab onto his shoulders and then he, Virgil, grabs onto Satan's titanic hairy body and starts climbing down his torso into the depths of the ice. And then, in Longfellow's translation, when we were come to where the thigh revolves exactly on the thickness of the haunch, the guide with labor and with hard drawn breath turned round his head where he had had his legs and grappled to the hair as one who mounts so that to hell I thought we were returning. Keep fast thy hold for by such stairs as these, the master said, panting as one fatigued, must we perforce depart from so much evil. Then through the opening of a rock he issued and down upon the margin seated me, then toward me he outstretched his wary step. I lifted up mine eyes and thought to see Lucifer in the same way I had left him, and I beheld him upward hold his legs. And if I then became disquieted, let stolid people think who do not see what the point is beyond which I had passed. The point in question is the Earth's center of gravity, the exact center of the universe, which would appear to be coterminous with the devil's bathing suit area. To climb up out of hell, Virgil has to reorient himself and climb down Satan's legs, and then the pilgrim and the guide walk up the rest of the way along a very long tunnel, the tunnel that was formed when Satan fell from heaven and drilled his way to the center of the earth. At the top of the tunnel is the Mount of Purgatory, where the second canticle of the Commedia will take place. So the earth is kind of a spherical bead with a hole through it starting at purgatory, going straight down the Satan impact crater, past Satan's body, up through the concentric circles of the inferno, and then at the antipode of purgatory is the city of Jerusalem, but I don't think Dante claims there's a hellmouth in Jerusalem, so the hole doesn't go all the way through. Even so, this geological scheme bears a striking resemblance to the hollow earth theory that John Cleves Sims Jr. would propose 500 years later. Sims predicted the presence of gigantic openings at the planet's north and south poles, so enormous that you might walk through and never notice you had found your way inside the earth, where you would find, quote, warm and rich land stocked with thrifty vegetables and animals, if not men, unquote. You and I know that this is a bunch of crazy nonsense. Like Dante in the third canticle, we have ascended to the sphere of the moon and seen the shape of earth from on high. There is no hole going straight through no mechanical neatness to its composition, it is just a lump of matter. Yet we go on hoping, or hypothesizing, that this universe answers to some sort of secret system, some sort of symmetry. We hope, or we say, it'd be awfully nice if it turned out that the axis of that symmetry is the same axis on which turns our own stupid, pointless lives. And this is the third strongest podcast. Well, that was a nice long break. Yeah. Yeah.
Uh, Maybe we should get back to work. I guess, yeah. I don't want to. No? I want to go to the store. Oh, yeah. Sounds good. Uh, there's a couple things here in Tenda Village where... The, the one thing I want to highlight is this shop, because the shop is really cool. I don't think we've talked about it yet. Where the shop is just a single Tenda who says, I like Horns of Life. You want to bring me go- Horns of Life, and I'll give you stuff. Here's the list of items. And then there's just a list of items that are kind of arbitrary, but kind of get more valuable as you go down the list. And it's not a one-for-one trade as far as, like, I'm going to give you a horn of life and you're going to give me this item. It's you have to trade over and over to get further down the list to get to the good items. Yeah, that confused me at first. I had no idea that's how it worked. I never did anything with this shop. (laughs) It's really cool. It's like... Yeah. They wanted to, like... Yeah, that's rad. ...indicate that these people used a barter system or something, but... They didn't try and program in a full barter system. It's just, no, we have one interaction that you have to do over and over to get to the item you want. Because there's like a decent bat there. Mm-hmm. And I think a but, weapon. There's a talisman uh, coin. That's what it is, yeah. But to do it at all, you have to... Can you buy the Horn of Life anywhere? In Saturn Valley, which then creates that connection. Mm. Cool. That's rad. You're facilitating trade between the cool, the two cool fun towns. Jeez. <laughs> but over oh in Saturn Valley, gosh. they're all they're all modern. They they use cash. Yeah. Uh, it's cute. I like it, and it's like the only place That's... it shows up. I love. Yeah. Super Nintendo RPGs, especially just having extremely like accessory systems that don't really matter but somebody thought it would be a fun idea it's good yes they've got a certain personality here in this village something about this seems a little tender (laughs) the other thing to highlight is there is a hot springs here uh, which is also something featured in saturn valley it really is like and there's a couple other details. There's like the proximity of Master Belch. Um, there's mm. the Tendekraut that we'll get to that um, like seems to be really overtly connecting the Mr. Saturns and the Tendas. And possibly, um, if you, like me, want to draw out a really cool structure diagram of Earthbound... Um, it invites like a chiastic analysis of um, going toward a midpoint. You find this Mr. Saturn's and going away from the midpoint, you find the tendas. Mm. Uh, But this analysis is not complete. Unless one of you guys completed it without me. I didn't. Nope. Nothing here. Okay. I like that being said, there is less to Tenda Village than there is to Saturn's. The Tenda don't get a fun font of their own. That's no, true. they don't get a fun font. They don't get um, as many people. They don't get like, I guess, 
you have a cool kind of unique Mr. Saturn in Dr. Saturn. And you mm-hmm. also have the weird mustache horned Tenda Elder. Mm-hmm. They also don't, you know, they live in a cave. Uh, these ones up here don't have architecture. So you don't get that aspect of it. But uh, we're not done with the Tendas yet, though, because we're going to go meet no. some more Tendas uh, as soon as we can get further underground. Uh, previously, there was a giant boulder uh, in the back of the cave where the Tendas live. And now that the Tendas are not shy, uh, one of them wants to show off their physical prowess by lifting this rock up and throwing it uh, somewhere. <laughs> We get the very good uh, sound effect of the Tenda saying, Hup! <laughs> yeah, that's good. Which I is classic. And they hup that rock out of there, and you get a cool mystery sound effect, or like a reveal sound effect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we're able to go down into that hole. Finally. And there is a rock in there. That we were told about earlier, that there's like a rock that talks. That's true. And it says, good evening, I'm a talking rock. But the rocks around here don't talk too much. The rock that talks the most is deep down in the labyrinth a ways ahead in the lost underworld. Don't forget to talk to the rock. It's important. What a great line. <laughs> good evening, I'm a talking rock is pretty great. Yes. Yes. But also, like, what this starts is, it was the non-shy Tenda who said, there's a rock down there that talks a lot, right? I think so. Earlier on? Yeah. Okay. And then, so, we get, like, the anticipation of, oh, we're going to get to talk to this rock. This rock appears, he says, yes, I am a talking rock, but... I'm not the one with important information. Keep going and you'll see another talking rock who will mm-hmm. talk even more. Thank you, Mario, but your talking rock is in another cave. <laughs> so I guess there's nothing to do but go past this rock toward the rest of the game. Yeah. Uh, there's and we another... enter a dungeon. There's a dungeon here. This is Lumine Hall, uh, which we don't really get the name until like afterward Hmm. yeah well they don't i mean that's what makes it a surprise that there's a dungeon here they can't talk about oh you go to lumine hall next because then you'd be like oh that sounds like a place where i'll have to fight a bunch of guys uh what we're really looking forward to is the lost underworld but just like the important talking rock we're finding out that there's stuff on the way yeah which is good. It's good pacing. Mm-hmm. If it was just immediately jump down into the hole, uh, that would not be as impactful. Yeah. Uh, this is a cool Lumine dungeon. Hall uses the music from like the beginning of the game when it's nighttime yeah. in Onette. Yeah, the creepy nighttime music. I like the layout of this dungeon because it's very efficient. Uh, in a way that we have been to many places where they've just kind of used map space pretty willy-nilly. This mm. is kind of a compact, like, square dungeon that still has a lot of branching paths and such. Yeah, some loops. At this yeah, point, Yeah, even looking at a map, I am not sure 
how to get to where I want to go in this dungeon. At this point in development, maybe they started to realize that they needed to use their space a little more efficiently. Mm. I want to... Uh, I have a counter hypothesis. Okay. Which is, I feel like when um, the, the maps that uh, take up nice square spaces, seems like those would have been made first. Oh, yeah, and yeah. And then the w- places that are weird jags hmm. would be what they use to fill in the rest of the space later on. Could of course, be. I, I wouldn't say a priori that this dungeon is one of the first things they designed. <laughs> um, it doesn't have like <laughs> the, I don't know. It doesn't feel like something you design earlier in the process. So it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, enemies here. The Fobbies are here. <laughs> Which were, you know, the the Fobbies were pretty adjacent to the Mr. Saturns, and the Fobbies are pretty adjacent to True. the Tendis. Hmm. And they work the same. They're just orange instead of red. And they come in you... large groups. Yeah. And and they're bad at their jobs. XP. Yeah, this is kind of the last really good EXP farm spot in the game. But oh, I wish I'd known that ahead of time. Too late. Too late. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the is it the uncontrollable sphere? Yeah. yeah. Um, who we talked about uh, two episodes, three episodes ago about uh, the one one twenty eight items. Mm-hmm. This guy yeah. has the broken antenna, which can be prepared to turn into jeff's best weapon the gaia beam and i'm here on this podcast today to say that i got the broken antenna on like my third fight with one of these guys wow whoa congratulations lucky i still can't repair it <laughs> i suppose that's uh, you need 65 iq and i'm like 64 Ooh. someday maybe yeah there's other guys in here. There's like the conducting menace or wait. Conducting spirit. It's like the the conducting spirit that's the evolution of the conducting menace. I think his sprite is basically the same though, which is really funny. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you how it's different. Is there anything else? There's more rocks to talk there's... to. I do like some of the oh, things yeah. the other rocks say. Well, mm-hmm. and you, you think, because here's the thing. Here's why they don't call it. Lumine Hall. As far as you know, what you've just entered is the Lost Underworld. That's and true. any of these rocks that you're talking to could be that important talking rock that's good that you were told to talk to. But the stuff they say to you is not that important. <laughs> and um it's, you know, it's a joke that they drag out for a while. It doesn't I... come off as a joke to us because we know what's going on. We're we know that we're not in the Lost Underworld. I wouldn't say that what they have to say is unimportant, though, because, you know, one of them just says, thanks for talking to me. (laughs) I wouldn't say that's unimportant, Zach, but I would say it's not that important. Oh, I don't know. Oh, and then there's another one that will say that this is the Earth's belly button, which is like a parallel. We got Mm. the belly buttons back. Yeah, this is like a bigger scale compared to the Dungeon Man one the whole earth but i don't have a huge spiel to say about this one because i don't think it's that important 
but Weird. it is fun. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much all I have to say about this dungeon, I think. Hold on. There's treasure here. Is there a good treasure here? I do not remember. Uh, is this where the Diadem of Kings is? Yes. Yeah. I appreciate that and it's not just Crown of Kings. Yeah. They had In the... Japanese, it's like Headband of Kings. Oh, okay. Hmm. So not only did they change it from a headband to something else, they, it, like, they visually, or what we're supposed to understand, they changed it from a headband into a crown type thing. But Crown of Kings is a horrible name for an item. That sucks. Uh, Diadem of Kings sounds awesome. Mm-hmm. That's a treasure this name. Is, that's one of the words that, you know, I played this game at a very young age, and there mm-hmm. are certain words I learned from this video game. And I mm-hmm. definitely learned Diadem from Earthbound, the video game. Oh, I assume I did. I can't say that I've ever heard that word outside of Earthbound. I feel like I've seen a diadem in a museum or something. <laughs> but, like, that's kind of the I only context you would have for that. Of... Yeah. Yeah. RPGs are good for your kids' vocabulary. Parents? Yeah. That's true. Let your kid play more And RPGs. they're good for resource management. Especially when your uh, inventory is as limited as it is in Earthbound. Mm-hmm. That teaches you something about uh, using space. And you kind of learn the lesson to hold on to things for when you might need them. And then you learn the lesson to go ahead and use things <laughs> instead of hoarding them forever. But what if I need so the hand aid to... later? <laughs> oh, well, I still haven't used the hand aid. Everything but the hand aid. I think it might have been in this uh, session, actually possibly against the boss that we're about to talk about that I tried using the hand aid on oh no it was some it was somewhere else we'll get to it later uh, let's talk about the boss electrospector yeah great name yeah he's like a weird gumby man in a he's way he's a weird like he looks in the. He looks like an optical illusion, right? I, I don't think so, but I see what you mean. The way at a glance, you can't really see where like, his limbs are foreground or background, kind of. Yeah, like which way is he? Which way is he leaning? Like that Penrose triangle. It seems like you would, uh, like follow one edge and it wouldn't go around in the right way. Hmm. Uh, but then you find out that there's actually a clay model that does exist in three-dimensional space and it looks just like this guy hmm. uh so it's a triumph of design uh this is kind of the first boss of hang on let me think this through i guess we had thunder and storm which wasn't really an upgraded version of a guy except maybe an upgraded version of the thunder guys if if anything thunder and storm was an upgraded version of the like spark sprite that we've seen enemies use and then mm-hmm. electrospectors maybe like a upgraded version of the diamond sprite that we see used for like miscellaneous that is mm-hmm. such a fun way of looking at it alien or robot thing mm-hmm. maybe that's what they were trying to evoke with this design i think that 
weirdly mother 3 ends up doing a lot more has a mother 3 is a game that has a lot more weird clay looking guys that are kind of like this guy sure um that's a well they go back to i think with some of the designs here whereas electrospector kind of sits on his own with some of the more abstract guys in this game yeah he's also not very hard Mm -hmm. uh he didn't seem hard to me at the time though he's just got he uses a bunch of jeff's items he's got a neutralizer and a shield killer i think i did not see him use either of those I did notice that the Fobbies were using the HP sucker, and it seemed to never work. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I also like that he's just kind of in the middle of a hallway, like within oh, yeah. that dungeon block that we were describing. He's not. Yeah, it contributes to the, the feeling of this, like, quote unquote, dungeon being kind of outside of what dungeons are in this game. Because it's not like most of these Your Sanctuary locations where you go all the way in and then you find the Your Sanctuary and then you walk back. Yeah. This actually is just a tunnel on the way to somewhere else and we're fitting a Your Sanctuary in there uh, because we have to get eight of these in. Yeah, it does kind of feel that way to me. Like, compared to the other ones where it's like this little out-of-the-way place where you've just found like a a secret spot it, it does feel different it's not so random it seems yeah. intentional but that's kind of it and, oh good well that's kind of it for the boss but the uh the your sanctuary location that you find kind of is the ultimate expression of finding a secret spot that turns out to be your spot true yeah because you walk through the titular lumine hall and there's all these uh there's this very regular grid of uh glowing lichen on the walls and when you get far enough words start appearing in the lichen in the earthbound font scrolling across the screen and what do they say uh, I don't have the text dump. Hold up. Hold on. I'm not. I wonder if it's even in the text dump. It's been a long Is road it? getting here. Soon I'll be. Soon I'll be. Soon I'll be. What will happen to us? Wh- what's happening? My thoughts are being written out on the wall. Where are they? Cool. There's a lot to unpack here. It's really unnerving. Um... Jeez, I don't know if I can even say everything I want to say about this. We've got to try. Because it's almost contradictory. (laughs) Let's read it on the very surface. Um, As Ness gets further in his journey, he is unsure about what's going to happen next. And he has this moment of vulnerability um, in seeing his thoughts written out on the thing. Um but the fact that his thoughts are written out on the wall like proves that he is like super in touch with the earth mm. unless this happens to everybody who walks through this hallway <laughs> well we're not getting any of the other party members thoughts that's true or are we i don't think when he says Jeff or is... are they 
maybe we're just seeing what Ness sees and Paula sees her thoughts on the wall. Maybe. And Jeff sees his thoughts on the wall. The, okay, second level of the reading is, why does he say, or are they? Yeah. Because it seems, as it's presented, pretty straightforward. Yeah, the, the first time, that, like, the first time I read this, I was like, oh, this is pretty straightforward. But then at the end, when it says, or are they, it's, it really makes you question everything you just saw. But I don't know if that's really intentional. Maybe it's just sort of yes. a, a him thinking, how could that be? And not, like not made to make us doubt what's happening i mean we have to include in this analysis as we're looking at it from every angle the possibility that this is just the lazy writing all or are they yeah like how can i make this more mysterious right there's also i forget which level this is the idea that, well, there's this um, melding of personae between Ness as character and Ness as extension of player. Mm. When if, if Ness is my guy and I am directing him through this hallway, when he sees those words on the wall, like if they're projecting his thoughts, then one opinion is it should those thoughts should be my thoughts Mm -hmm. it's not really projecting ness's thoughts on the wall because i decide what ness thinks and so uh the question or are they could be like like to what extent is ness just my appendage in this world are or are they my thoughts being projected Mm. on the wall because like the the player is free to disagree i guess Mm -hmm. i feel like there's going to be more about this going forward because thinking about this now and thinking about ness's self-identity in the game Mm-hmm. that's a theme that's about to get hammered in a couple different places that we're about to get here as we reach the end of the game. So I'm like, so pen- let's penciling a reminder for myself to circle back to this in mm-hmm. yes. maybe an episode, mm-hmm. maybe an episode. Um, uh, yeah. So let's, uh, let's just walk past this without fully explaining it. I do love that. It is just a scrolling marquee. Yeah. It's like, it could be it, it's a very non-naturalistic way to portray your thoughts being put on a wall yeah because <laughs> it could just be like text surfacing and then like vanishing and the new text surfacing and then vanishing it could yeah. be mm-hmm. done in a way that feels more magical but this feels very mechanical yeah that's yeah. true it feels very video gamey yeah but like, and a, I a, kind of wonder, a, yeah. I was saying, a fantasy. I, I could see this in another, a more fantasy central video game doing it the way I'm describing, though, where it's just like the text yeah. shows up and it goes down. So, yeah, it's this very trying to evoke modern day fantasy, I guess, by virtue of it feeling like a marquee at a baseball stadium or something. Mm-hmm. I also want to ask: Is it like this because this was? 
possible for them to program. Yes. <laughs> also probably yes. Somebody thought this was a cool effect that yeah. you don't see often in a game like this. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And, you know, I, I will return to my hypothesis that the game doesn't have uh, well-thought-out deep themes and possibly all that's supposed to be going on here is impressing you with how weird this is. On that level, it does an amazing job because mm. it's so strange. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna jump down this hole now. Okay. I'm sure it'll be a really short fall, right? Well, you would think. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of hard to tell based only on the visuals because we we don't get like a visual of people falling down i i in my head i inserted the graphic from uh, super mario rpg of the team falling into a abyss portal because it was just a black screen and this kind of slide whistle noise <laughs> and then we're here Oh yeah, now uh, we're here. What the heck? Uh, Another we're very shocking small. transition. Hey, we're small now. We shrunk. Yeah, Your sprite cool. is now like four by four pixels or something ridiculous. As small yeah. as possible. Uh, the game scale changed is what actually happened here. Uh, we're in the Lost Underworld. It's a big area we're going to talk about. But, like, immediately you as the player notice that the game scale has shifted in a way that it's only happened, like, one other time in the video game. Yeah. Um, when was that? The When you're in the boat. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is this basically the same scale as that? I guess it is. I think so. That's like, cool. roughly. Roughly. You can make Jeez, the case I never the think about scale, this yeah. as being the same basic thing as the boat trip but you're right wow that's a much shorter section and you're in a boat it is and it feels like because you don't have control over the characters it feels like you're just zooming out for this cinematic and the mm -hmm. game hasn't really changed scale yeah it just is looking that way f for fun for a minute uh but now uh-oh it was it's for real this time yeah you actually are tiny and in addition to you being way tinier, the monster sprites here are bigger than basically everything in the normal overworld, except for, like, trees. Yeah, like trees and cavemen. Cavemen, yeah, and bears. And bears. I knew but there yeah. were examples. But they're that size, and uh, it makes this place very intimidating. Yeah. Yes. We're meant to, we're meant to feel the enormity of the that's place not what that entered. word means is it not no enormity means like heinousness oh enormousness well not that word the enormousness, <laughs> enormousness. the the largeness mm -hmm. the, the size yeah there's um, freaking dinosaurs good point <laughs> i mentioned the caveman it is fun that Earthbound is a game that takes the stance of having cavemen in one place and dinosaurs in another place because they didn't mm. interact. 
Um, I don't. I'm not reading that as a stance. I, I am. I am declaring that this is a hard stance that the game is taking. Yeah. The cavemen I mean, live this where. This is a game that is saying cavemen exist in 1990x mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. dinosaurs exist in 1990x in separate places. <laughs> as far as we know. Yeah. Very controversial. The oh. dinosaurs are mean. Especially the Chompasaur. Yeah, the Chompasaurs are tough. They do that. They do fire attacks on everybody. They've got a shield up. Yes, I appreciate that Earthbound is a game that takes a stance that says the dinosaurs had psychic shields. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's the Earthbound equivalent of how tough it would be to fight a dinosaur. Well, no, think about it. How could they have survived the Chicxulub impact if not for psychic shields? Hmm. Yeah, this, these are these are the ones that had the psychic powers. That's why they're down here. They they hid away in this like hollow earth lost area. Okay. I was waiting for Zach to say hollow earth. <laughs> like that, that, holy the cow, there's a the hollow earth phrase. in this game. <laughs> yeah, so cool. Um, I have to say, I know I say this about probably roughly half the video game soundtrack uh but this is like one of my favorite songs in this video game mm, it's good uh i like it i think it doesn't go hard enough i'm always waiting for the part where it like really goes into the next gear and then it loops back to the beginning yeah i some, have to oh, some zach food? you say yeah in response to everything yeah. This is the episode where I really take it out on Zach. All right, let's go. Bring it on. I, I edit this podcast and Zach says, yeah, in response to everything, especially when he disagrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That's true. Um, no, the soundtrack is good. Uh, the, yes. the other enemy that we must not forget is the ego orb. Even scarier than dinosaurs somehow. You think it's scary? Yeah. It looks like the giant moon from Majora's Mask. It's like a big Monty <laughs> Python looking guy. Yeah. And it's so yeah. out of place. Uh, what is it doing here? It's, it's just amazing. It's, weird. it's so weird. Like, I remember them exploding them. They don't, they don't explode. I thought I thought this was an extension of the other spheres that we've seen, but no. It's not. It's just a giant round stone with a face i guess and it is completely bizarre but it's not out of place somehow it seems like the hollow earth should have the giant rolling stone head Hmm. to me anyway yeah i felt it was pretty out of place okay (laughs) but where does it belong in matura's mask Hmm? um i think a lot of games and a lot of media, like adventure media, will have the heroes go to the moon as like the the proof that you've ascended beyond the mundane realm of adventure. Like you've you've been to all the. It, I, I know I'm describing Mario Odyssey, but it, I think it's true of other places too. That like also you thousand do all the door. normal stuff. Yeah, and then you go to the moon. I, I swear this happens in like video games that aren't Mario games and yeah. Final Fantasy Four. 
See? Now mm-hmm. find something that's not a... Oh, um, Austin Powers. So, <laughs> Earthbound does not go to the moon, even though I think that that's kind of the move for what Earthbound is trying to do, you know? Mm-hmm. We have America, we have Europe, we have Egypt, we have the jungle. You should go to the, the moon. Uh, but instead of the moon, I think we go to the hollow Earth, which is kind of the same thing, other direction. Very, very cool, memorable, well, rad. At, at some point, we went off about the fact that despite this being about being a game about an alien invasion, it really avoids a lot of space stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. This game and goes so, within. It's not going without. It's going deeper into the Earth. It's Earth-bound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The... They really don't seem that concerned with the idea that it's an alien invasion narrative. <laughs> yeah. And even the biggest, baddest alien isn't in space. No. He's in the moon within. Mm-hmm. Anything else to talk about in the Lost Underworld? There's a bunch of hot springs here, but these are different oh, yeah. kinds of hot springs. They're all geysers that you stand on and comically shoot up in the air. <laughs> Uh, there's frequent earthquakes as the, I guess they activate on a timer or something, uh, but it adds to the ambiance of you wandering around this massive area when there's just earthquakes ha- happening randomly. Yeah, That's as especially you're... cool when it happens before you know what's going on. Yeah, like yes. the first one. And you can't move for a second. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to be on a timer, at least not in a really straightforward way, because... Mm-hmm. I felt like I walked around most of the Lost Underworld without any earthquakes. And then I was like, I need to heal. Come on, make an earthquake happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I couldn't actually tell you the mechanism in place there because I don't think I used a single one this time. But whatever. You can get the last uh, of King's item here. Mm -hmm. I forget. I think it's the cloak. I think it's the cloak. Yeah. And then we can make our way to. Oh, you can teleport out of here. Because I this is a one before we get to the Tenda Village, you can teleport out of here, and then you can teleport back. But teleporting back takes you to like the same spot that you originally land in, which is not mm. right next to town. So if you teleport back, you still have to make the journey to Tenda Village again, which is very cute. Mm. Cute is not the word I would use. <laughs> <laughs> There's I also... think it's cute. As, as a design choice. Go ahead. There's also another reminder of Pokey in this area where there's somebody oh. standing near a hot spring saying, a chubby, obnoxious kid from some foreign country said something heartrending. So I'm healing my wounds in the hot springs. Jeez, I missed this. It's uh, north of the village that we're going to get to eventually. Heck. Uh, which is wild because I didn't remember that being the case. But that means Pokey Me was here for some yeah. reason. Yeah, Always one step ahead. But we've talked before about, like, well, what is his goal right now? And we're still not entirely clear. I guess yeah. I have no. a, loose, a loose hypothesis, but I will need to. Well, we'll see. That's something to bring up in the cigarette break episode is to, like, figure out what Pokey's whole deal is in the back half of the game. I guess so. Uh, <laughs> I, I assume I assume he's going to get to a place that we're going to talk about after we talk about the Tenda Village, which is where we should be yeah, trying to okay. get to. Yeah. Well, I've had it enough of being locked up in this dinosaur cage. I need to get out. 
when I walk up to the Tenda village, I get stopped and someone inside like grabs me and talks to me and says, hey, you have Tenda Kraut, give me that. And they take the Tenda Kraut from you um, and they let you into the village, which they say is the, outside of the dinosaur cage. They've built this cage that I don't need to explain the joke to people listening to this podcast. The um, the Tendekraut thing is very weird to me, and I wish I had set up save states so I could test this out. Because as soon as the Tendekraut gets taken away from you, it says now Ness and his friends aren't as stinky because they don't have the Tendekraut on them. So, again, just like our question in Saturn Valley... Does the stinkiness of the tentacrout prevent you from doing something? Hmm. It seems like it's saying, okay, now that you don't stink, you can do something else. No, I, I think in this case, there's nothing mechanically happening. This is just flavor. Yeah. Just because you're not Stink. carrying it anymore. It's just reminding the, you how gross it was. <laughs> it's a game that is obsessed with smell. Yeah. Maybe not to the extent that the marketing would have you believe, but it is a recurring theme. I guess. Huh, yeah. Uh, we made it. We we're in the Tenda Village, finally. The other Tenda Oh, village. wait, 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 wait. No. Wait, wait, wait. No. What I, I have to say this about the Tenda Kraut is that it's it functions weirdly like the fly honey as something smelly and gross that you have to carry around as a way to unlock something else mm, to get past yeah. an obstacle okay yeah okay go on uh tend to village there's uh stuff here I'm, I'm scrolling through looking at my notes i have the the a note that just says spewing out his cake hole uh, <laughs> somewhere in the text stuff so let's do it yeah uh because one of the tendas uh, says that what some other tend to says that they built this cage to keep the dinosaurs out, but really they're inside the cage. And so the tender says that that other tender, maybe the local elder, is spewing out his cake hole. There you go. That was evocative enough for me to write down. <laughs> yeah. There's a pair of tender here. Mm. There's a, there's a, a girl that you'll probably talk to first who has a shop with some very good items in it, and she likes to say that she's like playing store. And she likes to play with her friend, Ego Stike, Um Yeah. Who, who you can then talk to. He says, and I didn't catch on to this till this playthrough, that he also came from, or like went and tr studied in an economic superpower. Hmm. Does that mean he knows the businessman from Deep Darkness? Would seem to be. That's delightful. Hmm. Uh, he does the loan you money thing, I think, in the same way that the man with the straw underwater in Deep Darkness does. In case you need an ATM. And you don't want to teleport out of here. Because mm -hmm. you're going to get sent all the way back to the other side. Uh-huh. I had to look it uh, up. Oh, go ahead. Yeah? About look the, up the, why his... the guy's name is Ego Stike? Yep. <laughs> Uh, it's a, it is a very mangled Japanese pun uh, for, like, your English is wonderful. Mm. Um, or according, uh, your English is wonderful or just English is wonderful? Or, I, yeah, it would just be English you, is wonderful. Have you heard it both ways, Sean? Mm. 
What? Never mind. Uh, well, if if the, the sentiment is English is lucky, then I have been in this economic superpower. And by the way, English is lovely. It makes it sound like the economic superpower they're talking about is America or Eagle Land. Yeah. And with that in mind, that enriches like the guy in deep darkness who says, I'm from an economic superpower and he's not naming it, but he's actually from the same country mm-hmm. you're from. It's just that over here we have to call it, we, we don't want to say what country it is. Mm. That's fun. That's fun. It's a lot of character and a named character. Yeah. <laughs> you do get the random just character with a full proper name. Yeah. In this video game from time to time. And that's great. Yeah. And because um, because it's uh, like untranslated or whatever in the English version, that means that we now have evidence, one piece of evidence for what tendon names are like. And mm-hmm. so we can use that to seed our random nem- name generator for <laughs> our RPG system where you can play as a tenda. Excellent. You just yes. have to take a Japanese phrase and then mangle the romanization of it. Either that or uh, you have to put, like, a hyphen in there for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. The more hyphens, the better the name. Hmm. The Star Wars Expanded Universe method. Uh, There's one important thing here. Is there anything else going on here? Not that I see. Uh, The big talking rock. There's a talking rock here. And yeah. it's the same sprite as the previous talking rocks, which means that with the scale adjustment, this talking rock is like 30 feet tall. Yeah. It's not the same sprite. Is it not? Uh, No, the, the talking rocks upstairs are like 32 pixels tall or whatever. This guy is 16 pixels. Or not, if they, those are 32, or this guy, I'm looking at him right now, okay. is 16 pixels tall. Okay, so he's, but hmm. he's still big. He's he's way bigger compared to uh, Nest's actual size than the other ones we've seen. Is this is the biggest rock we've seen so far, but it's the smallest sprite, hmm. and he talks to you. You finally came, Ness. Finally, you talked to me. Listen, Ness, I'm going to tell you something very important. You may want to take notes. Ready? Oh, you guys are bad at this. No, there's no, there's no prompt. I'm, I, I'm expecting you to play along, Zach. There's no, there's no prompt in the video game, though. You're Except- the chosen one. Your destiny is not only yours; it's the destiny of the whole universe. There will be a time in which all of you in the universe will overlap each other. It's not necessary to understand now. Do you remember Giant Step in Onet? That is one of your sanctuary. It is a spot which gives you power and allows you to realize all your skills. There was a monster that protected it. The monster was influenced by the power of that place. You must have beaten those monsters. You must reach all the eight power spots in the world. When the, the soundstone records the melodies of all eight power stops, spots, you can finally see your world. I'll tell you all of the power spots. One, Giant Step in Onet. Two, Lilliput Steps in Peaceful Rest Valley near Tucson. Three, Milky Well in Grapefruit Falls in Saturn Valley. 
Four, Rainy Circle, found by Jeff in Winters. Five, Magnet Hill at the edge of the city of Forside. Six, Pink, Cl- Pink Cloud, which Pooh knows. Seven, and Lumine Hole, where the Shining Lichen lives in the cave. Eight, a new place is now going to be opened up to you. Fire Spring, located southwest of here. Listen to the melodies of all eight power spots. If you do not fail, you may upset Gygus's plans. Understand, Ness? The time will come. The time when the destiny of you and the whole universe will overlap. It is fast approaching. There it is. We get Lumine Hole instead of Lumine Hall, yeah. which is always delightful. Mm. Um, and we get the first explanation of exact or we get a further explanation of what buzzbuzz told us way back in episode one or mm. two i forget if we did that which episode we did that in um where buzzbuzz kind of told us to get the eight melodies in subnebulous way to get power but now we have it spelled out that once we get all eight melodies in the soundstone, we can see our world. Yeah. Which is a new with thing. capital letters. Your world. Like an extension of your sanctuary. Yeah. Cool. We, this is, this is, I guess, partially in place if you somehow missed one earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very helpful. Uh, Earthbound Beginnings has something like this where there's a NPC who's like a bard that will tell you where the melodies are in case you missed one. Um, That's cool. But in that game, not all of them are connected to dungeons, so it's kind of easier to miss them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some of them are just in random spots. Not random spots, but like spots where you just go to a place and it's just there. So... This is kind of them doing that again, but this game treats these places with much more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Grandness? It's a big deal when you get one of these. Uh, yes, and in that game, the, uh, the melodies aren't, like, tied to the destiny of the universe, are they? Uh, specific, no, not in the same way we're talking here. This is all very much telling us that, you know, we know we're the chosen one in this game, and we know that by obtaining this power, we're going to be able to save the universe. And that's uh, not There ex- will be a time in which all of you in the universe will overlap each other. That's a confusing sentence. What an interesting concept. Yeah. I because I was looking at Ego Sticke, I have the Legends of Localization page open, and like Tomato's literal translation is the time will come when every part of you will become one or overlap with every part of the universe. Mm. So uh, that's much more easy to understand that Ness will just overlap the entire universe and become one with the universe. All of you in the over in the universe will overlap each other. His I like terrifying by comparison. Yeah. I like sorry, go ahead. Both are kind of intimidating. Mm. I, but I I like the distinction between like 
the concept of overlapping with the whole universe and like becoming one with the whole universe because there's still a Ness gets to retain his individuality when he's overlapped with the other universe mm-hmm. with, with the rest of the yeah. universe where you know a common thing you find in fiction is the idea of like becoming one entity with everybody else and mm-hmm. uniting to like one commonality here it's you know arguably doing something similar but there is a slight difference in that it's like no 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 everybody's still apart but they're all overlapped mm-hmm. and that's a fun distinction to roll around in my brain pipes yeah you're not disappearing you're not melting you're you're still you uh but the the main thing is or uh, i guess the the thing that we need to put in our quiver going forward is the fact that Ness is the chosen one. Um, it He, like, it really is about him being the one guy who saves the entire universe from the literal embodiment of all evil. The most evil force. Like, yeah. the scale cannot get any grander mm-hmm. at this point. And this, like... The Rock sets this up, this revelation up, as like, are you ready? Are you sure you're ready for this? Before revealing that you're the chosen one. Um, But, like, up to this point, I don't know if... I don't know if the game... The way the game treated this up to this point makes this a surprise. Because there's so much talk about destiny and... Um, you know, it's got to be these four kids who are going to defeat Gygus. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it hasn't been spelled out that Ness is the most important person in the universe, but it, it doesn't come as a shock when yeah. the rock says it. Yeah, it's not a surprise, but it also, it does feel very momentous to be told directly. Yeah, it is a change. I think this is a pretty dramatic speech. It's all very direct. And the time is fast um, approaching. Yes. Now, when The Rock says a new place is going to be opened up to you, uh, does that mean that we can't go to Fire Spring until we talk to this rock? Can we just zoom past Tenda Village without giving away the Tenda Kraut and go to the Fire Spring? That's a really good question. I That's be- what I really wanted to check. I believe that your intuition is correct in that if, if i'm if i'm understanding you correctly that you have to talk to this rock before you can go to fire spring how do they stop you i think the door is literally closed i have like a vague memory of that cave with like a closed door sprite the door to the cave yeah i've never seen this i feel like that's what it is i could be wrong that could be misremembering but that's what my memory is telling me is that like no no, like in the lost underworld overworld correct oh my gosh huh i don't know how to check that in any uh way that is fast enough to do on this podcast right now however that is what my memory is telling me hmm well we should probably go to fire spring okay uh, there's a long walk back through the underworld to go to the other side of the underworld. Um, there is a place to stop before we get there, though. 
because we find a cave and we're like, ah, oh, that must be the cave we're trying to get to. But no, that's uh-huh. not. That's not. Uh, this is a place that is not named yet in the video game, I don't think. Mm-hmm. It's not clear to me that it's named in the video game at all. I think I think you're right. Um, I don't know how we get the name Cave of the Past necessarily, but... Uh, we have to call it the Cave of the Past for want of a better name, but, I mean, maybe a better name would be the Cave of the Present. <laughs> hmm. Uh, but we walk in and we can we we can't access very much you just kind of walk in and you're on a little platform and you can see some other stuff but it's all inaccessible as of now yeah uh but i can see a thing i can see the wreckage of some kind of thingy okay uh I'll this must be where quiver oh good it's in my quiver along with everything else yeah uh maybe a certain antagonist was trying to get here for some reason mm. who can say uh, before we move on from that to analyze it later, I, I think up to, you know, this year researching this game so heavily, I, it wasn't clear to me that that represented that antagonist coming here and I'm still not entirely convinced, but that's because I haven't played further in this playthrough. So yeah, ag- yeah. agreed. I need to, we're, we're going to have a lot to chew on here soon. <laughs> yes holy cow this is the next episode is almost as interesting as what that rock had to say anyway, anyway. let's leave this weird cave go yeah. outside walk through more of the lost underworld get the cloak of kings sweet stop at another weird like rest area partially fenced in uh, so that we can uh, heal up a little bit before we enter the Fire Spring Cave. We, we've finally reached the final cave, the ultimate cave, a cave with lava in it. Yeah, it feels uh, very like the funny. final one. Very funny that, like, the, the, the final dungeon of sorts... Uh, just has to resort to like a regular RPG archetype. Yeah. In some in some way that my brain likes that a lot. Yeah. And you know it's kind of like, uh, paying up on a the implicit promise of going to the center of the earth is that there should be lava. Yeah. And so far in the Lost Underworld, no lava yet. I thought the dinosaurs and lava hung out together. And Zach will say, no, historically, dinosaurs and lava were millions of years apart. But here we see. No, but okay. (laughs) In the Fire Spring Cave, we have the Psychic Psycho. And we also have the Major Psychic Psycho, because there will not be a good place to put the palette-swapped stronger version in a later dungeon. This is the right place for both of them. I guess. (laughs) I do wonder what they're doing here. uh, so like you're you're with me in understanding the psychic psychos as like basically human guys like psychic humans who wear are wearing suits right i'm not yeah making this up yeah 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 so these are humans from the surface world who have come to this like 
incredibly powerful psychic location. I and, had to you know, I had to look up. I'm like, what are these guys called in J- Japanese? Is that any more helpful? And no, they're just PK men. Huh. And they have some kind of I like on my first reading, the thing on their head is like the top of a salt shaker. But possibly we're supposed to understand that this metal hat that controls their psychic powers has been riveted onto their head. Yikes. And yeah, he's wearing a suit or at least a tie, but he's on fire. And at this point in the game, you kind of don't even blink. You're like, sure there is. Mm -hmm. Sure, it's a man with a metal head who's going to psychic at me. And there's also, um, what are the lava blobs called? Soul-consuming flame. The soul-consuming flame. <laughs> That's such a... Man, the names just don't stop in this yeah. video game. Yeah. Yeah. The soul-consuming flame is kind of a pushover compared to other people in this dungeon, right? I thought they were pretty tough. Plus, they used the oh, boss okay. music from earlier, so that's a little scary. Well, a- in my personal experience, this time at least, like every time I ran into a soul-consuming flame, it was by itself, and it took three bash attacks, and hmm. then it died. What did they do? They did something also- that was harmful. Oh. Can they, like, um, like ooze toward you or like in the manner of the scalding coffee cup use a, a, a pk fire type attack that looks like a physical attack yeah i see they do very high level fire damage not to me <laughs> it helps if you have stuff equipped that's good against fire which there have been a couple of recently but they didn't give me the clue that i should equip that no, you got to figure it out when you walk in and there's you a gotta, bunch of lava yeah. <laughs> and fire bits walking around. There's also the the other enemy here, unless I'm forgetting something, is the evil elemental. Yeah. yeah. Those were the easy ones, I thought. Oh, okay. This um, guy They're looks... not th- that scary, but this one friggin' hit me with a, possessed me with a mini ghost. Oh, yeah. Which... I never like. That's good. That's good. I love the mini ghosts. Uh, this guy looks like the Moo training spirit. Oh, yeah. Yes, it does. As if, like, they are both the same type of spirit, but this one is bad. Yeah. This one's evil. Um, if the fire spring is drawing psychic people to it from the surface world, then it would be drawing, like the ghostly elders from Dalam, mm. just like it would be drawing psychic men in suits from Eagleland. Yeah. Makes sense. It does make sense. <laughs> you cannot use your first sale sign here for reference. <laughs> I've not been checking everywhere, but I did try and sell something in this dungeon mm. and was disappointed. Yeah, nobody Did you try in here. the Lost Underworld? Uh, Not on this playthrough, but I'm fairly certain it just does not work. Hmm. Okay. Because they don't have small sprites for anybody else. Ah, yeah. Yeah. The big thing with this dungeon is it's kind of the ultimate dungeon when it comes to avoiding fights. Because it's a lot of ducking in and out of caves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know on other playthroughs where I've been very low level, especially like the first couple times I played the video game, 
you just avoid every single fight <laughs> in this place because there's so many doors everywhere and it's very long and probably not good long term to avoid getting experience but it is a way you can play this game hmm. the amount of doors also makes this like one of the toughest mazes in the game yeah because you you can't like look ahead by looking at the parts of the the currently the map that you're on doesn't tell you how to get to anywhere you know what i mm -hmm. mean yeah you and, can see several doors and ladders or ropes wherever you look and you're not sure which one you're going to come out in yeah it's it's tricky i think that they kind of they have been very slowly raising the or like lowering the helpfulness of the overworld mm -hmm. view and making these places more of a pain to not exactly a puzzle but uh, mm -hmm. inconvenient to navigate and uh, they did that slightly harder than they had before with lumine hall mm -hmm. and they're doing it even harder with this place yeah it's challenging i like it aesthetically here though because you are just kind of slowly working your way up yeah a like narrowing hill as if you're like getting yeah. to the, ascending to the top of a underground volcano or something it's, no it's... it has structure that makes sense yeah mm -hmm. um but like that structure is only so helpful which is interesting yeah it, that's good it, it also feels like intuitively the first rope or hole or like cave that you walk into it feels like they planned and they chose they they chose to make the naturally first ones you choose least important like not the main path so if you mm. if you intuitively go into a cave it probably just has a dead end and then you can you pretty much get everything if you just go where you think you want to go it feels it feels like it feels like you don't miss anything because your last choice is always the right one <laughs> at least for me well, that's kind of what I was saying about Dungeon Man, although not exact. Mm. Not exactly. Well, this this must be a well-designed dungeon. Dungeon Man finding out there's lava in this game and he's furious. <laughs> <laughs> I could have put lava? Are you kidding me? I don't know. I think that there could be a sign inside Dungeon Man that says there's no lava here because that's dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> this is not to code. Um oh, there's a um, at the far end of the bottom, there's the Cherub Band, right? Yes. Is that any good? It seems like it's good. It's pretty good. It's like second or third best. Okay. Second best. I think it's second best. I'm not going to look. I'm just going to declare it second best. Second best. Uh, who am I supposed to equip it on? Anybody. Is there, like, but is there someone else who doesn't get a better option? No, all the bands are universal except for poo um and it's also like the thing where the bands and the bracelets are the same thing in japanese but for some of them they get translated as band and some as bracelet i think for character considerations but i'm not sure um there's a lot of enemies here that drop some of the best equipment in the game hmm. oh man get, i missed out on it you can get the star pendants here from the oh, PK men, but they're very low drop rate and not worth it. Oh, okay. Good. Because <laughs> again, if you're going to spend the time to grind out the best equipment, you're going to be a higher level than 
than than you need to be anyways. There are no super bosses in the video game Earthbound for the Super Nintendo. We should get to the top. Let's get to the top. There's a shiny spot thing. The shiny spot's here. I'll talk to it. It's the 8th Sanctuary Guardian. And it's Carbon Dog. And this is... In the same way that uh, Electrospector was like the the boss version of all the metal things in this game, this is the boss version of all the dogs on fire that we've seen so far in this game. Before mm-hmm. you said that, I was thinking that it specifically wasn't in that same pattern, but I guess there is a fire sprite that this could be a representation of. Are those the three most abstract sprites we've seen? I guess. Kinda. Fire thingy? Yeah. The, which, uh, which sprite which enemy sprites in the game represent the most wide range of enemies and it's probably those ones yeah so good um job. I, but like i think possibly more uh i i don't know which i find more convincing but i think someone could be more convinced that this is the boss version of all the other dogs that you fought in the game dogs have been a thing i guess so hmm there's no present sanctuary boss. Missed opportunity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just the cake from Super Mario RPG. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the carbon dog is... Uh, well, like, I've, I've now learned to play defensively and not get myself in trouble. So I wasn't in, in as much trouble when I fought carbon dog this time. But he's been very tough in the past. Yeah, he's tough. This is among the most challenging fights in the game. Uh, it's a it's a tough enemy to fight, and then it has a trick that if you're not prepared for that trick, you can get really messed up. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that. <laughs> Tell me more about it. Yeah, it's not Carbon Dog that's so difficult. It's Diamond Dog, which is oh yeah, what emerges out of di- uh, Carbon Dog. Makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Yeah. It's a lot of fire. So uh, is it just, it must be just once you get it down to enough HP, um, it turns into Diamond Dog and it it emits a light or something and turns into Diamond Dog. Um, and now it can do worse attacks. It can do... Mm-hmm. Uh, it, can, it can do uh, something that can kill you in one hit. I noticed. Um, yeah. I didn't. I wh- what attack is that? Uh, it has something it can do that causes different status effects, and sometimes that is an instant KO. Sometimes it, okay. it just makes people cry or paralyzed or whatever, and then sometimes it's just. Oh, um, emit a glorious light. So it's the equivalent of uh, PK Flash Omega. Flash Omega, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It can also bite you hard, and that can diamondize you. Ooh, and that didn't happen to me. The diamond dog is able to turn you into a diamond by biting you. It's very logical. It makes total sense. It also comes out the gate with a power shield, which is mm-hmm. where you can really get yourself in trouble, because if you're going all-out attack on carbon dog... And that last hit on Carbon Dog is at the top of your lineup. You might be about uh-huh. to launch 
several very strong attacks that are going to get bounced back at you. And that has definitely made me lose this fight before. Yeah, I think that's probably what happened to me. <laughs> you have to, like, mentally keep track of how much damage you've been doing so that you kind of softball Carbon Dog towards the end enough that you're not going to get smacked back in the face with your own bat mm-hmm. immediately. <laughs> I think that I I wasn't even thinking about that particular strategy, but I was, like, carefully, for some other reason, only using psychic attacks on Carbon Dog. And then I didn't have to worry about mm-hmm. getting power shielded. That makes sense. Um, I tried to use the hand-aid on someone who was diamondized. It didn't work. Ah. Dang. I like that the names are Carbon Dog and Diamond Dog. Because it's like a... Visually, you'd have like a fire dog that turns into an ice dog. Mm. But that's not exactly what's happening here. And it's way more evocative to call them those two things. Mm -hmm. Where eventually your carbon enemy turns into a diamond enemy. Yeah, like, I've never thought of this as an ice dog. It's like not, it's not at all, but like visually oh, okay. you kind of mm-hmm. have that going for it where the fire enemy transforms. Um, but instead of being fire and ice, which is like the boring way this goes, it's a, yeah. you know, a, a carbon creature that then condenses down enough to become a diamond creature. And it's like, oh, that's, that's a really cool like set of descriptors for your enemies yeah the clay model of diamond dog or it's not even the clay model it's like been cast in resin and so it's translucent and all we have is this one dumb picture of it but what a cool thing Mm. yeah super good you gotta get that this is where the neutralizer comes in clutch yes this is, I immediately use the neutralizer when the enemy switches, and then hold on for dear life uh, as much as possible. Because even though I'm overleveled, he was still, like, dropping guys. Yeah. This dog will drop ya. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but instead of getting dropped, I dropped the dog. You dropped the dog, and the dog lost? Yeah. Um, and I walked through into the cave of the fire spring, the, at the very center of the earth, unless we're not at the center of the earth, but very deep, like as deep as we've been able to go in the earth so far is this, you know, it's like a little volcano thing, fumarole, and it has this jet of fire coming out of the top of it. That's what makes this the most important volcano is that it has that permanent jet of fire over it. I That's guess. what makes it the fire spring. Mm-hmm. I guess. It's kind of unimpressive. Yeah. In, 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 a, in a weird way. It's, but it's like, it's, it, it's not like being the ultimate coolest Your Sanctuary location, but it's roughly as cool as most of the Your Sanctuary locations. Yeah, it just doesn't. Like, here's oh, the spot where it rains all the time. It's cool, but it doesn't feel as personal to me. It feels more like generic nope. cool. Nope. But in the context of um, <clears throat> what's been revealed by the talking rock about your sanctuary locations, is that like these 
places aren't personal to you because of the events in your life up to this point, Ness. These are the most important places on the Earth. Mm -hmm. And because your destiny is the destiny of the universe, um, you... You, you, this place is important because of it's important to the earth. Mm-hmm. So this spot with like the ultimate fire, this spot with the ultimate magnetism, this spot with it rains all the time. <laughs> um, these are part of your destiny because you are like the avatar of the world spirit and you need to connect with the the world, not because of your dumb personal life. There's this footprint near your house, but because you are, you are the earth. Mm. Now I yeah. see. It's that it's that continual escalation we've been talking about, where once we left Eagle Inn proper, things have gotten a little more intense. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Though I do agree with Sarah, it does feel less personal when it's not the weird footprints that are in the next town over that yeah. people go look at sometimes. Yeah. We've, we've lost the roadside attraction yeah. aspect mm-hmm. to it as we've gotten, as the scale of our adventure has grown. Yeah. Things are getting more epic, but you're also making progress on your own at the same time. So it's kind of a parallel, well, perpendicular journey of things getting more intense and more universal, but you're also aware of your own personal journey, yourself getting stronger. When the game says that, like, your destiny is the destiny of the universe, one one angle among so many other angles that occurs to me is, like, the meta angle that Earthbound as an artifact is made for you, the player, to experience and enjoy and like that's why nothing in the universe of earthbound exists that isn't for you and like the the like power fantasy destiny angle is like well of course i'm the most important person in (laughs) this universe because this universe is for me to play Mm. anyone who plays earthbound is the most important person in earthbound anyway i collect the last melody it's just one note yeah but it's like a long final note it is a long final note and then some other stuff happens (laughs) 